0: Hey, I'm Josh Smith, and welcome to Rain. And I'm so glad you're here, babes. This podcast is all about opening up, having important conversations, and celebrating successes, as well as overcoming obstacles to reign over our own lives. I love to chat to people and I always find things in these conversations to take away and use in my own life. So I really hope you'll find the same as well. Welcome to Rain. Dust off your tiara and finery because this week we're joined by Downton Abbey's Lady Mary, Michelle Dockery. Michelle grew up in Essex and started her career in theatre before she got a break of her lifetime starring in Downton Abbey. Ten years later, after six seasons, a movie and four Emmy Award nominations for Michelle, we are heading back to Grantham for a new film, Downton Abbey A New Era. It's also a new era for Michelle. as She recently starred in Netflix's Anatomy of a Scandal as a bad babe barrister Kate, who represents a woman accusing her former boss of rape. Starring alongside Sienna Miller and Naomi Scott, the plot twists are juicy. So be warned, there are some spoilers in this episode. Today, we talk about returning to Downton, how working on Anatomy of a Scandal made Michelle reflect on how sets can be so male dominated, and how she felt truly in her own power when she turned 40. I loved hearing Michelle talk about the start of her career, where she landed her role in Downton while she was living in a house share. So I hope you find her story just as inspiring as I did. Crowns at the ready. Let's reign. Hello, babe. How are you?
1: Hi, Josh. I'm fine. How are you?
0: I'm good. Well, I'm all the Bella because... Downton Abbey is back in our lives. Lady Mary is back in our lives. I feel like my soul needed this. For me, it's kind of like the greatest comeback since the Spice Girls reformed. Do you know what I mean? And she's also given us that kind of like (laughs) posh, Spice, who do you think you are energy. So it kind of works, that analogy, right?
1: (laughs) Great. I think it works. Yeah.
0: But I feel like these characters are such a comfort blanket for so many people. (laughs) And I guess for you, this character must have been quite a comfort to you at different times in your life too. How much of a comfort she been to you at different times, would you say?
1: I mean, I agree. I feel like this show is so comforting for the audience out Mm. there. I think it's, I think it's one of the reasons why people keep coming back. Yeah. It's like seeing old friends, isn't it? They've like had us in their lives for 12 years now. and we in turn have had the same, you know, we've all been in each other's lives for such a long time. So it is it is like a family. It's like going back home sometimes. And um, we're just delighted every time we get to get back together um, and put on those costumes and shoes again and sort of slip into very familiar territory, mm. which is, it's quite rare for an actor to, to be able to go back, keep going back to something. Um, you know, a lot of the time you're saying goodbye to something and then you're moving on to something quite quickly, a new group of people, um, you know, new territory, different country, or you know, but whereas with this, it's like when downton comes along, it's like, oh, I know this. I know it so well. <laughs> and it makes it really easy, actually, just to step back into it.
0: Sometimes it's nice just to have an easy job, babe, isn't it? Let's get real. <laughs>
1: absolutely yeah it is it's like a regular job and it is so rare for actors you know we don't have that luxury so um yeah and and when I say easy it is really easy like I can look at my lines like just the you know the day before sometimes and it just goes in immediately because I know this character so well yeah. whereas other job like something like Anatomy of a Scandal is like I have to I have to hope have those lines in my bones and, I'm, <laughs> and saying them in my sleep in order to get to remember them, you know. Yeah,
0: and I mean, you have lived with this character for like over a decade. And within that, there's so many life milestones you go through and your life has changed so much in that time. So let's take it back to the beginning when you first auditioned for Downton Abbey. Who were you? where were you (laughs) walk us through that space in your life
1: so I was 26 and I um got the call to audition for this role Lady Mary in Downton Abbey and um I was living with three other girls in a big house it felt like a student house (laughs) um so there were four of us living in this house and um I remember getting the the audition and 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 thinking, this is, this is a big one. You know, Julian Fellows had written it. Hugh Bonneville was already attached. Maggie Smith, you know, the writer of the Oscar-winning Gosford Park and all of that. I mean, it felt like a big deal. And, you know, at the time I was auditioning for lots of other parts and wasn't getting certain parts that um, I perhaps wanted at the time. And so I went into it thinking, OK, I'm just going to give this my best shot. And I, was, I remember being really conscious of doing it and then letting it go and not hanging on to it for too long because I was, you know, anticipating disappointment, you know, so sort of preparing myself for that. And um, I remember getting the call and I was in my this house that I shared with my mates in my room. And I remember getting a call from my agent and I had to sit down. I remember that when she told me I had to, like, take a minute and sit down. Um, and it was... You know, when I look back, it was life-changing. In that moment, that was the moment mm. it happened. Um, and then we never would have have dreamed it would become the phenomenon the show has come, and that twelve years later I'd be sat here, and we'd still be talking about it. <laughs> um, because you you feel that you know when you're when you're doing something, you really hope that it's the audience out there loves it, and Um, All the hard work pays off. You know, it's obviously really rewarding when when something is received well. Um, But you don't expect it necessarily to go international, you know, Mm. and it's like it's such a universally loved show. And I feel like when it hit America, that was when things really started to get crazy, (laughs) Um, because it had already been quite a lot in the UK. You know, there was a lot of noise around it and. We were on the covers of all the papers, you know, the first episode after the first or second episode had aired. So, and then suddenly we were being recognised and that was, you know, that was obviously a real change, you know, being recognised on the street. And um, so it felt like quite a whirlwind to start with. I feel like I live much more presently in it now. I can kind of take it in a bit more. When I was younger, it was just all like a bit of a blur.
0: (laughs) If you could go back to that you, who was sat in your room, who won that audition, got the part, what would you want to say to her if you could sit down next to her now?
1: I'd sit down, I'd sit down next to her and say, Michelle, it's all right. You're gonna get that job. And it's gonna be fine. You know, because I remember at that time thinking, you know, I mean, I'd I'd had a great start to my career. I'd done great theatre, you know, I'd made such a a sort of progression in, you know, starting out understudying at the National Theatre where I understudied like 10 roles at once. And then, you know, Nicholas Heitner there sort of, you know, gave me my start and I sort of worked my way up and began to play more kind of supporting roles and then eventually a lead role at the National. So, I you know, I'd really sort of worked worked a lot in theatre and then was beginning to do a bit more in television, but not, you know, I hadn't got that that main role yet. Um, and so, you know, I would say I would say to myself, hang in there. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it, it, it's just around the corner.
0: <laughs> and it happened. What do you think that girl who was growing up in Essex in Romford would now say to you as well, looking at how much stuff you've done in your life, in, even in the last, like, 12 years?
1: Yeah. I mean, she'd be like, wow, that, that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I was always, from a young age, I was... I went to, to stage school, and you know, I was always dancing and singing and acting, and it was it was definitely there from really early days. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was, I it was quite clear that I was going to be in the arts and not, you know, I wasn't an academic at all. I was, I spent more time in the drama studio um, at school than anywhere else, and um, so so I knew that I wanted to do something in that area, and it and it may have been dance actually initially, I. I loved dance, and I really loved um musicals and musical theater. and at one point, it could have easily gone in that direction, you know, because I auditioned for musicals back then when I was mm. fifteen, sixteen. Um, and I sometimes wonder how things might have been a bit different had I have got those roles. so um so yeah, it was sort of in me from quite a quite a young age, and you know i I, I can't imagine sort of doing anything else actually. It, it was it all started quite young.
0: <laughs> and now you're literally six seasons in. You're one movie in. Another literally just about to drop. And I think aside from the escapism that Downton Abbey gives us, it gives us some really poignant moments as well. And especially in the new movie, I love the mm-hmm. sweet part where Lord Grantham says to Murray, you're the captain now. And she's really now coming to this point in her life where she's stepping in to her power. And this is what this podcast mm-hmm. is all about. Those moments where you step into your power when do you feel like you stepped into your power in your own life
1: um I mean I think that something like Downton certainly gave me a lot of confidence and and I think that also came from the character you know because Mm. she is she is such a she is such a strong and you know just a fantastic character to play and there is a sort of air of confidence that those you know women of that time had and um I think that certainly helped me to feel more powerful definitely and within my career because you know once you've been established you know as a certain character in a successful show that of course gives you you know a great feeling and a feeling of strength and um and stability within a career that is quite, you know, it's, it's quite um, uh, unpredictable, you know, you you can sort of never know where it's going to go. And I feel very lucky that Downton sort of gave me that sort of anchoring um, from, from a, from a very young age, really. I mean, I was 27. So um, I felt definitely that time kind of felt felt like I was sort of as you you know as you say the show is about stepping into um my power
0: I love that and it's so great to actually get to a point in your life where you actually can be like do you know what I'm actually in my power now and I actually feel empowered within myself right because I think all the time if you're always looking for external sources to empower you it's got to be Mm -hmm. that relationship inside as well right
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think age, of course, it comes with age, mm. doesn't it? I mean, you know, I loved turning 40. It was, you know, I felt like, well, it's, you know, up on the fourth floor, it's quite a nice view. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I definitely felt that, actually, when I turned 40, I did feel, you know, like that feeling that you're talking about, I did, I felt something shift a little bit when I turned 40.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think there's something about Lady Mary as well which relates so nicely to that is that I feel like from the beginning right the way to where we are now in the second movie she does go on this journey of discovering a love for herself because she operates from quite a lot of self-hatred in Mm. different parts especially at the beginning and I think That is something that so many people can relate to because I think everyone goes on this very weird journey with themselves where they go from sort of like hating themselves to loving themselves and then sort of trying to discover that Mm -hmm. kind of, that part of self-love and how powerful that can be. How do you think your journey with that has been?
1: I think that's a really good observation of Mary. I think she's, she, you know, when I think of her in the early years when she was younger and, you know, she's, she's sort of, um, but you know, that that age where you're kind of, you think you know what you want, you think you know mm. um, what you want. I think I can relate to that, you know, at that age, you think you want certain things. And um, and I, when I look back, I think, gosh, those decisions, I thought I was, I thought I knew what I was doing. I thought I was, mature, you, you know, and I sort of recognise that in Mary a bit. And then, you know, as I've sort of grown up with the character, I feel like there is a, A sort of much more settled feeling with her and with myself as well and I think again that comes with age and um and and also for Mary she (laughs) I think I think she kind of been I think she sort of was so reluctant to uh be happy at times she was you know, with when you think back to Matthew and Mary and her sort of mm. resistance with that and refusing to sort of do something that maybe outsiders thought was good for her, she was like, no, I know what's good for me. And actually it wasn't good for her. You know, we all knew from the beginning that that relationship was perfect for them. And then as it moved on through the series and various things happened to her, she obviously goes through, you know, different times where she's, she can be, overconfident and arrogant and then it sort of comes out with in her behavior with Edith doesn't it I mean she's so her their relationship is just brilliant isn't it and and Laura and I really love playing those scenes but there's that one particular series where season six where Mary is just you know she's so resistant she's fine on her own and he's not good enough for her Henry and really resisting that even though she is in love with him it's really obvious um and then eventually she sort of just gives in you mm. know and i kind of love that moment in season 6 where she sort of gives in and and gives in to sort of being happy actually and um and and i love seeing her now in the film um and in both films actually being a little more settled mm. and and also A better relationship with her sister. I think it helps that her and Edith live quite far apart. Yeah, that helps my brother too. I (laughs) get that. He's living all the way in Scotland, so I think it helps their relationship. Even though, even though Laura and I absolutely love that banter when Julian writes that banter between the sisters, it's really, really fun. Um, But they've definitely softened towards one another now.
0: Yeah, and I think as well within that, when you kind of we do really go on this journey with Lady Mary's mental health but very much behind this facade which I think is a really interesting way that it's approached in in the whole breadth of the Downton Abbey era saga mm-hmm.
1: it's the aristocracy isn't it it's that thing of mm. you know not showing your emotions and you know she's she it's always keeping a brave face and so I, I think it's great in those moments in Downton where they break you know and it's yeah. often around Anna and Carson they're the mm. two people that she she can allow herself to be a bit more vulnerable with whereas with you know her dad or the doubt you know well not the dowager actually she's much more open with her but you know there's certain people where she kind of keeps you know calm and and stoic but it's mm. lovely when you see the cracks you know.
0: Yeah. One of the things I think is also so great about the kind of banter that you were bringing up as well that it comes to the mm. screen so amazingly. And I just love The Dowager Duchess. I love the relationship with Lady Mary. And I think there's one part, especially in this movie, where she talks about how society likes to fit women into categories. And I think what's so interesting when you review the world through period dramas, then you reflect back on how far we come and how much further we need to go. There's still mm. so much sexism especially around trying to put women into boxes and into categories mm. when you look back at say that time that we we're in with lady mary and these categories that we're still mm. talking about how much further do you think we still need to go and what still really frustrates you about the way that we as a society could categorize still categorize women specifically
1: I mean, I think we've I think we've we've come a long way from that time, certainly. And I think what's great in the show is that Julian, you know, he's he's already addressing that in the show. So a character like Edith is, you know, she wants to go out and 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 have a purpose and do a job and she becomes an editor. And, you know, that she's sort Mm. of going against a lot of the sort of um, strictures that women had were sort of expected to put themselves in at that time you know it was it was you know for those girls it would have been very boring just being you know the lady of the house you know they want to do more and I think you see that in Mary a lot there's a lot of purpose and you know they want to be useful you know and I think he he kind of he shows that progression really well throughout the series Um, particularly after the war you know women felt they could be much more useful I guess Mm. after After the war, and I think that's really depicted in the show. Um, I think we've come a long way. Um, There are times where I think I wish I wish it sometimes wasn't as noticeable, such as when when I just I just finished this job on Anatomy of a Scandal, and um, the whole pretty much the whole creative team, bar David E. Kelly, um, who was the writer on the show, along with Melissa James Gibson, were women. So we had all. female producers on set, a uh, female director, S.J. Clarkson. And even our camera woman, um, uh Alana, um, was, was, you know, at the helm of it all uh, with the with the camera department. And and um it's it's noticeable still. It's, you know, I, I and we talked about it a lot in interviews that, you know, I was, it was so it still feels rare. Mm. Um, and I'd, I'd, I'm really hopeful that we'll get to a point where it doesn't have to be as noticeable. Mm. It is what it is. And that, you know, you can have as many women um, on a set as, as there are men.
0: You've already touched on Anatomy of a Scandal. And I mean, what? an amazing show. It's so incredible. And I mean, like, if I I feel like I would need you as a barrister in my life, if ever I got in trouble, I'd be like, (laughs) let's get her in. (laughs) You're so good in it. Like, how, how did you like master that legal jargon? Walk me through that legal schooling. Because when I watched it, I was like, she is literally this badass barrister. And it's like, the yeah. thing I needed the most in my life at that point. I was like, yes, I'm living for this power on screen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She's a, she's a fantastic character. And that show was just, I loved it the minute I read the script and I think it's a, you know, it's a really important issue. You know, consent is, mm. is something that isn't, you know, people aren't aware of it, you know, and I, th- I think it, it creates conversation that show and, and also about privilege, you know, it's, it has various different themes and, um, and I, I was, I was so struck by her character and her, this, this idea of, you know, someone being, someone being, uh, so effect, obviously so affected by what had happened to her. Mm. And obviously we can give spoils, spoilers here. You know, the twist in it is that she, you know, she isn't who she, her identity, she changes, you know, because of what happened to her. And also in order to, um, in order to become the QC that she is, and, you know, it takes a long, it takes a lot to get where she's mm. she's at in that profession and coming from a working class background, that that must have been very difficult for her as Holly. And um, so she, you know, she really has to work her way up there. And, you know, talking about sexism, it is that that environment, you know, for a woman mm. to be, you know at the top of her game in that profession is still quite rare you know and both her and um angela jazette simon who's played by Gisette simon you know they both have this sort of unconscious bond i think because they are both women who 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 took you know it took a lot for them to get where where they are and so when she's when she's given this case it's huge you know and she she sort of goes into it slightly blindly, but knowing deep down, you know, this isn't, um, (laughs) this, this, she could lose her job, you know, because she's prosecuting someone that she knows and not only someone she knows, but someone who has assaulted her. Um, So it was a fantastic character to play because her arc was just massive, Mm. you know, it's, and she, you know, she, she's very unreadable at the beginning and then she sort of becomes this, you know, entirely sort of different person, you realise that she's Holly Berry. And, um, and I, in order to get into the mindset of the barrister, I worked really closely with a QC, a top QC in the UK, who was basically my coach, you know, and she really helped Josette Simon and I um, with all of the kind of, you know, ways in which you sort of attack a cross-examination. And she, she was wonderful because she we would just sort of do Zooms together like this and um, she would play me and I would play other characters and then I'd sort of hear her way of saying certain questions and her intonation and how she sort of executed each line. Um, and it was vital, you know, in order to play this sort of role, I had to really, you know, it's one of the hardest, you know, hardest roles I've ever had to play, really, because mm. um, it, it required so much preparation and so much um concentration you know I couldn't falter at any point um I had to really you know stay on stay on it
0: I just think it just literally hits you like a wrecking ball like your performance and it's just so great and you must have had so many powerful conversations during the research process for this show as well because when we had Naomi Scott on she talked very powerfully about the research she did in and how it affected her performance and how the kind of story she had especially from working with a female barrister as well right like you must have had so absolutely. many incredible stories that really stuck with you
1: absolutely and it was really it was so important for a show like anatomy because we were you know all of us you know the creatives the actors everybody we were so you know so passionate about making this as authentic as possible and it being you know truth as you know truthful you know to the people out there who may have experienced something like naomi's character or my character um, and we worked really closely with a char- charity called Women's Aid, who I'd love to, you know, just uh, say in this podcast, just because I think it's really important that people mm. are aware of of Women's Aid, because you know, if somebody has been through something and they they don't know what to do, um, whether that be to, you know, approach the police straight away, or, or they they want to sort of clarify. Um, what has happened because you know that's what the show is you know essentially it's about consent and I think it's you know it's a charity that allows someone to kind of go somewhere to to talk about what happened and and it's something that for us was we we were really strong about that we just wanted it to feel feel right and know that we were playing these roles as as authentically as as possible you know it's really important for us And Naomi was amazing, you know, she was, uh, you could sort of hear a pin drop when she entered that room um, in the courtroom. And I actually hadn't met her before that moment because we, we, Josette and I had been doing a scene and then Naomi walked into the, we just started a rehearsal. And I'm not sure whether that was set up by SJ or not, I don't know, but she was quite isolated, you know, Naomi at first. and, And she walked into the dock and you could, you could hear a pin drop. It was so you know i mean to imagine i'm just speaking for naomi but to you know to imagine what it felt it felt so nerve-wracking for her as an actress you know she was saying i can't imagine what that must feel like for somebody who is actually going through it in real life um and i thought it was you know depicted in the show really well
0: Mm. and it's so amazing because you literally go from like amazing project to amazing project, like Defending Jacob, sensational. I literally binge watched that in like eight hours straight the other day. <laughs> and it was so intense. And then you have done Abby, you have that we have Scandal. And it's so amazing to see you fly and being your power and really own these incredible <laughs> roles. It's just amazing to see. But when you think back to your career, and we've touched on this a bit already in those pockets of moments of when, you know, the instability of, being an actress in this world what do you think you've learned about success versus failure
1: i think there's sort of merit in both i feel Mm. like it's okay you know when i look back at, at things in my career i've like you know there are things that maybe i thought i'd lost out to you know maybe a certain job that i really wanted or um and actually that carved the path out for something else you know I sometimes look back and think well if actually if I'd have got that job that I thought I'd sort of you know lost out on I wouldn't be doing this and that's you know that's very true of certain things in in my career like you know there was Godless the Netflix show that I I got I think there was something else that I thought I really I can't even remember what it was at the time and that's I think that says a lot doesn't Mm. it the time you think you really need to succeed at something and then it doesn't work out and then something else comes along and um i just you know for me i feel like when it comes to this sort of thing you know success and and all of that stuff it's i think i've learned to just trust put your you know just trust that it will work out it will sort of work out um for the best and if you sort of look at it like that then you know those things that you look back on they weren't failures actually they were just they were just there to sort of carve out, you know, the next bit. Mm.
0: That's such a great way of looking at it. And I've really loved listening to you today and hearing your perspective Thanks. on so many things. And we always end on one final question. That question always is, in the reign of your life, what is the one rule you will always live by?
1: Find the humour. Find the humour in, in, in those moments in your life that are tough. Find the humour in it. I think laughter is very, very important.
0: Oh my God, 100%. We love a little bit of laughter sprinkled around.
1: Like, this gets you
0: <laughs> through the day, doesn't it? Do you know yeah, I mean?
1: Absolutely. I love it. Yeah.
0: And honestly, it's been so great talking to you and I, like, love you in literally everything. So it's oh, been you. so great talking to you, especially getting your perspective on the anatomy of a scandal because it's just sensational and great, great okay. to have back too.
1: Fantastic. Yes, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah. amazing. Thanks so much, Josh. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much for joining me for another amazing episode of Rain. I really hope you found something to take away from this episode, and if you have, let me know. You can always get me on socials at Josh Smith hosts. I love to hear from you. And as always, if you've enjoyed this episode, please like, rate, subscribe, or follow wherever you get your podcast from. And more importantly, please share this with someone you think needs to hear it. Let's get those convos going, and I'll see you next time. Hi babes, me again, just wanted to tell you about something very exciting, I can't believe I'm about to tell you this, but I've written a book and it's called Great Chat. As you know, I love to chat, plot spoiler, and I love talking to people about their lives because as I always say, talking and listening is so powerful. The book is all about how you can master conversation and transform your life just like it has for me. I've used my experience from all the amazing interviews I've been lucky enough to do, as well as a load of research to help you deal with everything from making new friends to embracing difficult discussions. Great chat should never be underestimated. It can truly improve your well-being, allow you to create the life you want and bring the connections you are so deserving of, babes. You can pre-order Great Chat today in hardback, ebook and audiobook, read by me, no less, and it's out on the 20th of June.